This morning we're in Luke chapter 5, starting at the first verse, and I'm going to read it as we sink into it, and then we're going to go line by line through this text together as a church. Here's the calling of Jesus' first disciples. It's in all of the Gospels, and Luke gives a little uh, different twist on it here. It says, On one occasion, while the crowds were pressing in on Jesus to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, and he saw two boats by the lake, but the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. Getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked him to put out a little from the land, and he sat down and taught the people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon Peter, put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and took in nothing, but at your word, I will let down the nets. And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish, and their nets were breaking. They signaled to the partners in the other boat to come and to help them, and they, they came and they filled both the boats so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken in from Luke chapter 5. Once again, good morning. Man, I got a new battery, and I am ready to go. Once again, my name is Jake Bessling, and a little bit about myself. I've been a follower of Jesus all my life. I grew up at Trinity Lutheran Church, downtown Houston, Texas, and uh, I am a husband to Nicolette of 16 years. We have three children, all under the age of 13. I'm a barbecue enthusiast. And uh, back in Arizona, where I was pastoring for uh, about eight years or so, and part of a church for 16 years, I started a group, and I'm here to confess to you that I borrowed the name Holy Smokers, so thank you. (laughs) Started that group uh, similar to what you have here, and that is still going strong. I'm connected here to Bethany. I probably attended as a child occasionally with some aunts and uncles in the Austin area, but also went to school, um, and one of my roommates in college was Michael Canippa. Michael Canippa. I know probably some people in the crowd as well. I can't wait to say hi to you. And uh, now I serve as campus pastor at Concordia University, Texas. And I got to say, I love your church. I love your pastors, getting to know them more. I love your DCEs, your, your staff, your music ministers, and the joy of the Lord has been here this whole morning. As you might know, unless you're new here, and if you're new here, welcome to check into this sermon series today. Eternity is now in session. And and it seems like as I looked at the different sermons you guys have been um, looking at and preaching in the stories, that sometimes we can water down eternity to being a far-off place up in the clouds or something like that. And even in children's message, sometimes it's like, What happens when you die? You you go to heaven. Well, if you flip that and you look at the scriptures, it's actually like now is eternity. As followers of Jesus through baptism, eternity has clicked into gear. God is eternal. You are made for eternity. And the goal is not going somewhere else. It's Jesus coming back to restore us, give us those resurrected, perfect, immortal bodies. Amen? Like, like, that's where we're headed. So what does it look like then to follow Jesus now? 
the, the text they gave me is Luke chapter 5, and the title they, they said, hey, this is the title from the book, Eternity is Now in Session, is a word, honestly, I never used. I, I, I had to look up how to even say it, purgation, and I think I'm doing that right. Purgation. I mean, I don't know about you, but maybe you're like at the getting some water at the office and you're like, hey, how's purgation, right? You're, you're probably not saying that. And so as I looked online a little bit, it's like in the Catholic Church, um, the idea is that in purgatory, after death, you would be purged from your sins before entering into eternal life. That's not, that's not what it means for us. That's not what we're saying. The, the best thing I could do to say, um, it's really sanctification, it's Jesus is purging us of our sins. He's absolving us of our sins day in and day out, week after week. And we stand justified before a holy God and we stand right before him. And yet on earth, he's making us look more and more like him. And that's a really, really good thing. As we head into the word today, if you would pray this prayer with me as we focus in on Luke chapter 5. Let's pray it together out loud. Thank you, Jesus, for your word. It points me to your life, death, resurrection, and mission. It teaches me. It strengthens me. I am a missionary joining you on your mission. You change lives. Open my heart to believe your word and live it. In Jesus' name, amen might be hard to see out there, so you, you have a few Bibles, maybe you have your phone if you want to lock into the text in the Bible app, that's Austin Luke 5, it's also going to be on the screen as we go through it. Uh, let's go ahead and read this first verse together aloud. One day as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. You know this, but Jesus is a preacher. A couple chapters before this, he's been baptized. He was ushered into the wilderness to be tempted by Satan. He defeats Satan with three quotes from Scripture after fasting 40 days and 40 nights. And he, and he comes out of the desert, pumped up by the Holy Spirit, and he can't help but just talk about the goodness of God. He can't help but talk about repenting and, and being baptized and, and being a recipient of, of my love, Jesus' love. He even, even is in the synagogue and he says that this text from Isaiah that he just uh, read was fulfilled in the hearing. And the, the, the text was about preaching good news, not to just people up here, but the lowly. And that the oppressed in the preaching, uh, justice would happen to those that are oppressed by systems. And that there would be sight to those that were blind. And so this good news just starts to go forth. And they're at the lake, Gennesaret is really the Sea of Galilee. And there's a flock of people, and here's what continues to happen, verse 2. He saw Jesus at the water's edge, two boats, left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. It's early morning, the fishermen usually fish at, at night, and it's kind of odd in the text that these fishermen are washing their nets because, uh, spoiler alert, how many fish did they catch? None, right? They were skunked, if you will. And, and so they're washing their nets, but I have to picture myself with them and think they're probably tired they're, they're probably frowning they're probably a little depressed i mean this isn't like going to minnesota or wisconsin for a fishing trip with your friends this isn't just a hobby for them what is it this is life if i don't have fish i don't have food if i don't have food my wife's gonna be mad you know 
I'm not going to be able to feed my family. And so they're there washing their nets, but it's kind of pointless because they, they never caught any fish. There's probably not really any leftovers um, in the nets. But enter, enter Jesus. Verse 3, he, he, Jesus, got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon Peter, and he asked Peter to put out a little from shore. And then Jesus sat down, as most rabbis would do, to teach, and he taught the people from the boat. Don't you love how Jesus just inserts himself into Peter's boat? Did you notice, like, he doesn't ask permission at all? Uh, this is how it would be. I was uh, greeting a, a student back here, maybe a 20-year-old named Sam. Sam, where are you at? Back there somewhere, right? So, Sam, it would be like this. If after church I was walking to your car and I trailed you and I started talking to you, and without your permission, I just get in the passenger seat. And I just say, I'm here, you know, and then I ask you, hey, would you take me to Austin, downtown on Congress? Because there are some people that I need to preach to, right? And we see what Sam would do. In this situation, Peter was obliged, obliged, and, and, and went out. Now, he knew Jesus a little bit. Uh, Peter had been, his, her, his mother-in-law had been healed by Jesus with just, just a word. But picture yourself in Peter's shoes, or sandals, right? In the boat, your boat, Jesus has stepped into that boat with you and said, hey, push out a little bit away from the, the shore. You are tired. You are frustrated. You are being interrupted in your normal routine. This wasn't typical, but Jesus inserts himself in that, in that boat. And, and Peter then has a front row seat to the greatest preacher probably <laughs> of all, all time. Kind of rude by Jesus, right? Didn't ask for permission or anything. Friends, if you've been following Jesus, isn't it great that he interrupted your life? Isn't it great that he didn't actually ask for permission? Because I don't know about you, but I would still be stuck in my sin. I'd still be in my own sinful routine. But Jesus stepped in to your boat, to your life, to your body. Eternity is yours then now. I wonder, though, what Jesus is preaching about. I mean, we don't have it recorded, but, but I had to conjecture, like, what could it be? Like, maybe it was, you are the light of the world. But Peter would be sitting there thinking, I don't feel like the light of the world. Uh, maybe it was like, you know, turn the other, what? Cheek. You know what Peter would do in a couple of years? He would cut off Malchus's ear in the Garden of Gethsemane and so maybe here he's thinking of his anger issues. Uh, maybe Jesus preached that one where it's like, let your yes be yes and your no be. But yet Peter would uh, say he believes in Jesus when Jesus was around, confess, you are the Christ, the Son of God. But three times he would say, no, no, no. I don't know this Jesus as Jesus is being betrayed. Uh, maybe it was a mixture between hope, hearing the preachings of Jesus, like, Wow, this is new. Could he be the Messiah? Could he be the one to save us from the sins of the world? And yet, maybe he starts to have a little shame about his own story. No matter what, at some point the sermon ended. Maybe it was like in, in our kind of circles where it was an amen. Everyone say amen? Amen. And then he's like, okay, signal. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to row Jesus back to shore then. Probably got to talking to Jesus. Jesus, that was a pretty good three-point sermon. Not too long. Not too short. 
I think you're going to have a, uh, I think you have a feature on this, Jesus. <laughs> but that didn't happen. Because Jesus had other plans. And thanks be to God, when we have our own agenda, Jesus steps in and has his plan for each of our lives. Verse 4, when he, Jesus, had finished speaking, he said to Simon Peter, not go home, but put into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Now, this is kind of funny. Like, like Jesus isn't a fisherman. He's a what? Carpenter, right? Son of God, carpenter. But he's given advice to someone that was probably an expert fisherman. Uh, I don't know what you do for a living, but maybe you're a teacher or an engineer or a cop or you're a professional PGA golfer. Let's talk, all right? But, but have you ever had someone like enter your world and think they know it all and yet you can kind of see that they, they don't? I mean, I can see Peter being like, Jesus, stick to carpentry. I'll stick to fishing. I, I've been out all night. I've put into that same water you want me to go to and there's, there's no fish there, Jesus. My, my crew is tired. But listen to Peter's response. May it, may it teach us today what our response can be as well. Verse 5, Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. Can you read the next line with me? But because you say so, I will let down the nets. Master, Lord, in other words, fish boss. But because you say so, you know, I, everything's insurmountable. It seems like I, don't, I can't catch fish today. It, it doesn't make sense. It's already like 9 o'clock in the morning. You don't fish at 9 o'clock in the morning, Jesus. But yet, because you say so. What an act of faith now in the story. It, it's so illogical to do what Jesus says, but, but Peter then throws out logic and listens to Jesus at his word. You see, Jesus would have his own because you say so moment, wouldn't he? When he's praying the night before he would go to the cross and he's talking to the Father, take this cup from me, not my will, but your will be done. It's like a, but because you say so, Father, I will be thrown to the depths of the deep of sin and I will lay down my body. It will be caught under and I will die. The result of that sacrificial work is our salvation. The result here is that Peter got, because God said to do it and he obeyed, a front row seat to see the biggest catch of fish he's ever had. Verse 6, when they had done so, they went out. They caught such a large number of fish that their nets even began to break and they signaled other partners and other boats to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. I wish I had a couple hours to meet with all of you to hear your but because you said so moments. I hope you have them. Where they point to God's faithfulness. There's this insurmountable situation. There's this sticky, anxious, hard thing. But you hear the voice of the Lord through scripture say, do this and you do it. And it all works out. It's for me, even moving from Arizona at a great church and a great location with great friends, coming to somewhat of a foreign area to me, not knowing hardly anyone, working in a new job and getting to know new people. And some days it's kind of like throwing up your hands like, is this, 
Is this worth it? It's just too hard to work with college kids that, that sometimes don't want to have anything to do with, with Jesus. And you're just like, what is happening here? But because you say so, Jesus, thank you for your faithfulness. And maybe there's someone in this crowd today here at 11 o'clock or online that's like, man, I'm ready to throw in the towel. I just, I don't see the abundance of fish. Something I'm trying to do that I thought the Lord was all about is just not working out or I haven't gotten married yet or I haven't um, repaired that relationship or that child has gone away from the faith. May you have a, but because you say so, Jesus moment today. Jesus loves you. He's in that. And he's guiding you to take that next step with him. Now, it's interesting here that fish are nowhere, and then the fish are everywhere. And I start to wonder, like, what would my response be to having not caught fish, but then catching fish? And the, the text starts to tell us, verse 8, when Simon Peter saw all that fish, Jesus at work, he, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord, I'm a, a sinful man. For he and his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. I mean, at this point, anyone on Be Real? Be Real? Any Be Real fans? Yeah, it's this thing where you like, boom, you capture it in the moment. I mean, Be Real is going crazy at this moment. Instagram feeds are, are trending with, with Jesus. Uh, for some of you back in the 80s, right? You have this big camera out. You're trying to just capture it. And the battery goes out probably, right? Jesus starts to, to trend here and everyone like sees this miracle and I can hear like an audible, oh, whoa, this, this gasp of what God is doing. And it seems like fish then become the focus. This abundance of fish is the focus, but here's the truth. The fish, not the focus. Peter's confession of sin becomes the focal point. I just think it's odd, like Peter didn't start to like cheer or, woo, yeah, never seen so many fish. We didn't even do anything, but we casted the net and it worked, yeah. He didn't bear hug Jesus. What did he do? He bent down at Jesus' knees. When I talked to one of your cameramen after this, and I didn't warn them I would do exactly this, he's like, he said I just popped out of the screen. But I, but I wonder if that's like a little image of my life and maybe your life where we're not hitting our knees enough, Jesus' knees, and putting our head down into the Savior of the world and confessing our deep depravity and our, and our sin. A story is told of a pastor having lunch with a, a newly churched friend, and it's Cinco de Mayo, they're having Mexican food, and they're enjoying um, the chips, and they're enjoying the salsa. And the pastor is having this meal with this person that just joined the church, and the person's not very churchy. They don't know the rhythms and the way to talk and the different things, and just kind of really raw. And as this, this person is, is having the hot chili peppers, you ask for the habaneros, he's just like sweating everywhere. And these will burn the hell out of you, he said. And the pastor just smiles and says, then give me 10,000 of them. 
purgation is, is having the hell burned out of you now instead of later in eternity. Uh, purgation is confessing our sins and having that gift to all of us alone with God, to one another in church, out of church, to a friend, and receiving these powerful words that we, we never want to, to um, take for granted, that you are loved and you are forgiven. As I work with college students, and I think about those that don't have faith, I, I think about this reality, though, that, that hell is real, and it scares me. It, it brings me tears. It's the absence of God, and for some of them, right, it's, it's a hell right now. It's the absence of God, and I'm not sure if this is Peter's first time to confess his sins out loud like this, but I, but I see a, a weight of just baggage being put at Jesus' feet, and I'm convicted as I was studying for this to just say sometimes I go through the motions. Maybe you go through the motions of the confession of sins, but may it hit you in the gut today. Feel those sins. Because if, if I were Peter in, in this moment, in this scene, I would not probably fall at Jesus' feet. I mean, I might have responded to this miracle with pride because there was people on the shore that didn't know Jesus had done this. And so I might look at them and say, yeah, I did this. I brought in all these fish. I threw the nets. It's all about me. I'll take the credits. Look at what I've done. So my confession to you this morning is, is Lord, purge the pride out of me, Jesus. Purge the pride out of me, Jesus. You get the credit. You get the glory. Because the fish is not the focus. But Jesus is the focus. And Jesus is the one that would be purged for us. He would be scarred for us. He would face death and hell for us so that he would purge, he would take, he would sanctify all of our sin and push it away as baggage on a boat out to sea. So let me invite you, uh, and we'll do it a little bit more later, but like, what do you need to confess to God? What do you need to get off your chest today? Maybe it's purge the pride, Jesus. Maybe it's purge the coveting and, and wanting more and more and more stuff. Lord, maybe it's purge the, the porn or the lust out of my head or out of my screen. Lord, ask for help with that. Lord, I need help. Like, purge this thing out of my life. It's not, not good. Confess it to Jesus and allow him to remind you of his love for you. I mean, zoom out a little bit toward the end of the world. Zoom out a little bit with me. I mean, when Jesus comes back, the, the next phase of eternal life happens, and it's the then and there when Jesus returns. Get this, confession of sins will be no more. Hallelujah. Like, like we won't have to meet to, to be like, oh, I did this big thing, and I have to get confession for it, or, or Jesus, I've sinned against you. He'll finally have, have come back to have our bodies have no ability to sin. We, we just won't sin anymore. We don't even know a body without sin, do we? We're born with it, and we inherit it, and we continue to do it, but thanks be to God, when he comes back, ushers in his new kingdom, new heaven, new earth, no more crying, no more pain, no more death, therefore no more sin. Until that day, eternity is now. May we have a posture at all of our different churches, but in our daily rhythm, 
that confession of sins would be a daily lifestyle practice as you follow Jesus. I'll close the text up with this. Then Jesus said to Simon Peter, as he's confessing his sins at Jesus' feet, he said, don't be afraid. Would you say that out loud? Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. So they pulled their boat up on shore, left everything and followed him. Church, don't be afraid. Jesus is gentle with you and Jesus is kind. He purges our sin to give us then, purges it to give us purpose on his mission. The fish then is not the focus, even though there's hundreds of fish before them, the making of disciples is now the focus. I was just told here at Bethany about the MSCs. There's these groups that are getting together. Raise a hand. Who's a part of an MSC? MSC. That's awesome. I've heard the 50s, those in their 50s, are just rocking it and loving it, and they like to hang out all the time. I, I, if I come back in a year and I, I ask you again, I pray that many of you are like, man, I'm a part of a, a MSC. I'm a part of this Bible study group. What is it for you, though? Maybe it's the MSC. Take a next step. The fish is not the focus, yet the people out there are that don't know Jesus. You don't have to go to all the nations of the world. The nations are coming here to Austin, Texas. The nations live in our neighborhoods. We're a part of those nations, too. They need your conviction and your testimony. Retirement of making disciples of Jesus is not in the Bible. What is in the Bible, though? Leave your sinful baggage behind and follow Jesus afresh today. Eternity is now. Amen? Amen. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your word that teaches us and corrects us and invites us into the greatest mission of all time. Lord, take away our sin. Remind us of the love that you have for us. Thank you, Lord, for not leaving us nor forsaking us. Thank you, Lord, for Bethany Lutheran Church here in South Austin. I pray for a multiplication movement of missionaries, disciples that have heard the word, that are changed by it, that confess their sins, and they'll then go confess the greatest message of all time to those where they live, work, and play. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen.